um, we'll go ahead and look um, at what those applications are for us together, and then we'll respond by praying for each other. Um, as I do that, let me just uh, pray again. Father, uh, as we come to your word, I do ask God that you just would speak to us clearly. God, that you would inspire us to draw closer to you and to each other, and that you would just be present with us. And I just ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we've been looking at this series of waging peace. Uh, We've been talking a lot about shalom peace and how kingdom disciples, people who are disciples of Jesus, are waging peace in the world. We're not trying to conquer anybody, but we're trying to bring peace to wherever we go. We're trying to bring wholeness and, and health and healing. Uh, Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom that advances through healing, uh, and, and it's a kingdom that advances through meals, uh, actually. Uh, the, the one thing that Jesus told his disciples to do when they gather for worship to remember him is to eat this meal, to remember his body broken, his blood poured out on their behalf, and to remember him, to remember what he's done for us by remembering this meal. And so that was going on in a city called Corinth a long, long time ago. Uh, Corinth was a Gentile city. Uh, There were some Jewish believers there, but it was mostly people who were outside of the Jewish faith who were coming to faith in Jesus. And uh, Paul is writing this letter to kind of address some issues that were going on in this church community. And so that's kind of the, we're sort of like looking into, it's sort of like we broke into Paul's email, right? We're like, like reading, reading correspondence uh, between Paul and this church. And here are the things that he has to say to this community. He says, in the following directives, I have no praise for you. Your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread... And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are not, we are being, sorry, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And so I want to just kind of highlight a few themes. Uh, we'll read this passage again in another translation here in a minute, but I just want to kind of highlight a couple themes that I think are important for us to reflect on as a community 
um, in light of recent events and kind of as we move forward together. Uh, one theme that I noticed that's um, very clear in this passage of Scripture is that this, this passage of Scripture has some honest accountability. That there is, in, in a sense, a sort of a, a standard or a vision or a future. There's something that Paul is trying to hold this community to when he's talking to them about how they're meeting together for worship, how they're meeting together to commune with each other. He said, and he says some pretty challenging, direct things. Like, Paul seems to think it's okay to say, hey, y'all are doing it wrong. Right? I mean, that's really the tone throughout the whole passage is he's saying, look, you guys, aren't, you guys aren't acting like a body. You aren't acting like the body of Christ. You're not, you're not taking care of each other. And, and there's, there's inequality and there's, uh, there's, there's problems with the way that you guys are meeting. And Paul seems to be able to operate in his authority as a sent one, as a messenger from Jesus, and, and saying, look, this isn't, the, this isn't the meaning of this meal. You're supposed to care for one another. You're supposed to be in unity. You're supposed to be a welcoming and caring community. Uh, another, thing, another theme that I notice in this passage is equal inclusion. And I think this is really kind of the heart of what Paul is critiquing. He's saying, look, when you get together, you guys aren't getting along. You have these little cliques. You have these little divisions. You have these little teams of people, and you're not, you're not, you're not being unified. You're not coming together as the body of Christ. You're not all eating the same thing. You're not all uh, enjoying the same uh, fellowship and the same experience together. And so the Corinthians were desecrating the meal by who was excluded from the meal. That's really the heart of the argument that Paul is making. And Paul corrects them by saying, look, don't cheapen this. Don't, don't think that, you know, when you come together and, you, and you're eating together as a body and you're remembering the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, don't, don't cheapen that. This isn't just a snack. There's something real going on. There's a spiritual reality that's being expressed in this kind of enacted prayer of, you know, being one body together. You know, the symbolism, we kind of lose it with the little individual cups, right? Because with the little individual cups, we are trying to be sanitary, right? <laughs> and, we, <laughs> and, and also, like, uh, grape juice uh, transmits a lot more germs. If we were to all share the cup with the grape juice, it transmits more germs than wine. Wine at least has a little bit of an antiseptic built into it. You know, the alcohol kills a few germs, right? But, but we're doing grape juice because we want people who are uh, alcoholic to be able to participate in worship, and we don't want anybody to be excluded uh, because because uh, they have a problem with drinking. We don't want them to fall off the wagon when they take communion, and so that's why we use grape juice. But, but there's, something, there's a powerful image of we all drink the same cup. We all get the same thing. And we share in this common experience of we're all eating the same thing, we're all drinking the same thing, and the same thing is living inside of all of us. That we're all coming together to share this meal that represents Christ's body, his living incarnate body, the church, uh, in the world. And that as we eat his body and blood, we become his body and blood. You are what you eat, right? And so as, we are, as we're discerning that and as we're entering into that reality, we have to treat that with appropriate respect. And what that means is you don't get to say you're not a part. 
If you follow Paul's argument later on when he's talking about spiritual gifts, it all kind of connects. It's about inclusion. It's about making sure that everybody gets to play and everybody gets to participate in the meal. And that's why at the vineyard we practice an open table. We don't fence the table. We say, if you want Jesus living inside of you, come and eat. Come participate in this meal. Uh, you, don't have to be, you don't have to be baptized first. We're not checking your, your Christian credentials at the door. Uh, the symbol is you're welcome to the table and you're welcome to receive Jesus as much of him as you want. Um, and and that, that's important. We want to make sure that everybody gets the same thing. So let's read this. Let me just read this passage again in the message. This is a paraphrase, maybe a little easier to understand. Um, this is, uh, oh gosh, I forgot his name. J- yeah, that's right, P- Peterson. Um, yeah, so this is his, this is his pater- p- paraphrase. He says this, regarding this next item, I'm not at all pleased. I'm getting the picture that when you meet together, it brings out your worst side instead of your best. First, I get this report on your divisiveness, competing with and criticizing each other. I'm reluctant to believe it, but there it is. The best that can be said for it is that the testing process will bring truth into the open and confirm it. And when I find that you bring your divisions to worship, you come together and instead of eating the Lord's Supper, you bring in a lot of food from the outside and make pigs of yourselves. Some are left out and go home hungry. Others have to be carried out, too drunk to walk. I can't believe it. And so, just to be clear, we didn't just sin by having brunch, okay? <laughs> uh, what, would have, what would have been a problem is if we said, well, this food is for us and not for you, right? Because that's what's going on in Corinth, okay? Uh, don't you have your own homes to eat and drink in? Why would you stoop to desecrating God's church? Why would you actually shame God's poor? I never would have believed that you would stoop to this, and I'm not going to stand by and say nothing. Let me go over it with you again, exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it is so centrally important. I received my instructions from the Master himself and passed them on to you. The Master, Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, took bread. Having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the master. You will be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. Anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the master irreverently is like part of the crowd that jeered him and spit on him at his death. Is is that the kind of remembrance you want to be part of? Examine your motives, test your heart, and come to this meal in holy awe. If you give no thought, or worse, don't care, about the broken body of the master when you eat and drink, you're running risk of serious consequences. That's why so many of you are now listless and sick, and others have gone to an early grave. If we get this straight now, we won't have to be straightened out later on. Better to be confronted by the master now than to face a fiery confrontation later. So my friends, when you come together to the Lord's table, be reverent and courteous with one another. If you're so hungry that you can't wait to be served, go home and get a sandwich. But by no means risk turning this meal into an eating and drinking binge or a family squabble. It is a spiritual meal, a love feast. 
The other things you asked about, I'll respond to in person when I make my next visit. I think the last theme that I just feel like God wants to kind of highlight to us in this passage is this theme of unity in the mystery. There's something spiritual happening here. There's something unseen in the spirit realm or in the spirit world, uh, this unseen reality that is no less real that is happening when we gather together to eat the bread and to drink the wine or the crackers and the grape juice, as the case may be. That, that there's something going on and that when we come together to enact this meal and to remember Jesus' death and his resurrection, to remember how Jesus died for us, that he did something on our behalf so that we can be reconciled to God and each other, there's something really real that's happening. And it's in that unity of that mystery of God's work through Jesus Christ on the cross that we find true community, that we find connection and love. And so um, that's, that's really uh, kind of the, the main point, right, is that we are unified in this, um, in this mystery of considering Jesus' death and resurrection. And as we experience that and as we meditate on that, we find that we can connect with God and we find that we connect with each other, okay? All right. So um, here in a minute, I want to just take some time to worship and pray. Uh, I wanted to just take a moment, though, and to wait in silence before God and just see if um, God brings anything up to the surface. And then uh, here in a second, I'll pull the guitar out. We'll sing one more song, um, and we'll pray for each other in the unity of the Holy Spirit that we have because of Jesus. And I think that when we do that, it's likely that um, somebody will experience healing, either emotionally or relationally or physically um, or mentally. So let's just, uh, let's just take a minute to wait before God in silence and see what comes to the surface. So Lord, we welcome your spirit. God, I just ask that right now that we could come to you with honesty about who we really are and be held accountable to you as our master. And if there's anything that you want us to recognize that we don't want to see in ourselves, God, that you just would show it to us because we know that you'll forgive us and we know that you'll help us change. But God, help us to have the courage to face whatever might be going on inside that we keep stuffing under the rug.
Lord, we just thank you for the way that you have included us in your body. God, thank you for welcoming us. We just want to give you gratitude and praise. Father, thank you for the bond of unity that we have in you with each other and with brothers and sisters in Christ and all kinds of churches and all kinds of countries and all kinds of places throughout the world. Thank you for the unity that we experience through our faith in you. Here's what I'd like to do next, um, just because this is kind of a little different than normal. Um, I'd like to just invite you, if you want prayer about anything that came up, I'm going to ask, just while we're sitting, um, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. <laughs> so just stick your hand up in the air. You got something going on in your life. Okay, so we got, we got one rack right here, and we got, we got a couple. Okay, so uh, anybody else? We got... At least two. Okay, so um, if you didn't raise your hand, would you kind of surround the people that did raise their hands and lay hands on them? Keep your hands up if you want prayer. And, um, and pray for those people. Uh, ask before touching. Ask them what they want prayer about. Listen to God. Listen to them. And pray the way you know how to pray. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this last song going. And while, we, uh, while I sing, you guys can pray. Okay?